All right. Well, I mean, that movie just has it nailed. I mean, we're, we're going to be basically coming around to that because I love that they even use like covenant. We are going to make a covenant together that we are going to say yes. And I'm, I'm pretty much going to be asking that of you in about 30 minutes. Okay, friends? So sneak out now if you do not want to say yes to God here, friends. So we are kicking off the seven words to change your life. And if you look back on the past year being Connections Church, I'm kind of on a seven kick. Um, it's kind of a biblical thing. And last year at this time, we did the um, Divine Direction series, and we kind of picked seven words to launch our church. And I know you all remember them, so I'm just going to say what you already know, because even if you weren't here then, you've gone back, you've listened to the messages online. I'm being facetious. <laughs> but they were... We did start, we did stop, we did stay, we did serve, we did give, we did go, and we did, of course, connect. And we talked about who and what we are as a church. Well, then, I wasn't really paying attention to it, but then when we went into the Lenten season, uh, we went into the seven deadly sins. That has traditionally been a time where many have examined their lives, looked for areas of life that have gone astray from God, where we're not following God completely, and we seek to amend that and lean into the virtues that God calls us to. And so we talked about the seven deadly sins. We talked about lust and anger and greed and pride and sloth and envy. And yes, gluttony. I, so I never talked about gluttony. I've been called out on this many times by one person indeed. So, And they're desperate. They're like, I want to hear about gluttony. I don't know what it is about your love of gluttony that you just want me to talk about it so much. Here's the four-word sermon. Gluttony, bad, moderation, good. Okay, amen. There we go. Oh, that's... All right, sorry. That's not as great. Well, today... We are going into, of course, the, the uh, seven words to change your life, and we're going to start with the word, of course, that is going to be yes. But before we do that, let's just recognize for a moment that words are powerful. And when, sometimes when we like give you one of these words, it's supposed to be a, a, a marker, a, a sign, a signpost directing your life. Words have power. What's the old adage we always said as kids? We said that sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Words will never hurt me. Right, if there is ever a lie, you know, we teach our kids for the best of reasons, but we know as adults, that's, that's maybe one of the biggest lies of all. We know that words have power. We know that lives, you know, words don't like just maybe break bones. Words can destroy a life. A, a word can build up a life too. I mean, the Proverbs go deep into this and the power of the tongue. The power of the tongue can, you know, set a thousand ships to sail. It can start a fire. They can consume. It can tear down and destroy. We have probably, if we would examine our lives, and I would encourage you with your group this week or to get into a group this week to examine some of the stories of our life because I bet we could pinpoint, maybe for a lot of us, a word that destroyed a dream, a vision, a hope, a relationship, something in us died maybe because of a word from somebody else. And those are sad stories. Those are hard stories. I, I would hope that likewise, we could maybe share stories of, hey, you know, somebody in another time or another season, another place, another person said a word that, you know, sparked a vision. It sparked uh, me and set me on a course that has led to blessing and has led to life, has led to joy, has led to hope. Words have this kind of 
power in our lives. And, and we just want to affirm right at the beginning, let me do this just to sort of set the foundation. The Bible affirms, of course, that there is power in words. Uh, here's what starts the Gospel of John. Let's get this one up on screen. We're going to do John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Then we're going to get into some other stuff here. In the beginning was the, say it with me, Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Through the word, all things have been made. Without him, nothing was made. Without the word, nothing is made. In him was life. The word is life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is the power of the word. This is the power of words in our life. And so we want to spend the next seven weeks infusing power into a couple words for our lives. I will say it right now. Each week, maybe take one of these words, put it on a card, put it in front of you, carry it with you, put these words in front of you. And if one of them particularly is meaningful, feel free, of course, to lean into that. Well, the first word that we're going to start with this week, of course, if it isn't abundantly clear now, is yes. And we're going to start with yes, because yes is like the first word that we learn as kids, right? Yes is like the first best word we learn as kids. We, we ask our kids, hey kids, come to dinner. Yes, mom. We ask our kids, hey kid, go clean up your room. And they're like, yes, dad. We tell our kids, hey, you know, let's go. I really want you to do something for me. And they just shout, yes, yes, yeah. I'm not getting any yeses or amens on this, am I? Right, no, because you're pondering this and you're thinking, wait a second, <laughs> I was a kid once and I've had some kids in my life, maybe a lot of us, and kids gravitate to no. Yes? <laughs> it's going to get confusing. It's a yes, no. no. But here's the question we have to ask. Where do they get that from? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something happens. And again, for the best of reasons, that's why we're going to pause to examine some of this stuff. For the best of reasons, we kind of imprint no on our kids at a very early age. They reach for a hot pot of chicken noodle soup, which I did and barely had to say, I would tell that story. My, if I, you haven't heard my chicken noodle soup story. I'll tell it another sermon. You know, you reach for something and what do parents say? No, my mom didn't get the no in time. You know, you know, our kid goes to run across the street. No, hey, can I have candy? No, you know, can I? You, you, they, they kind of pick up because out of safety, out of concern, out of the parental impulse, of course, out of being, you know, rightfully cautious, wanting to protect our children, we actually ingrain a ton of no onto them. And they've studied this stuff now on how that no can actually like continue on throughout a person's life. This no mentality, this worrying, anxious-filled, stressful, cautionary, the world is a dangerous place and I, I could get hurt at any point kind of a, kind of a no. And they've gone deeper into the study and the power of no and negativity in, in people's lives. So they've done these studies now where they put people like in an MRI machine and they'll attach their electrodes and different things and they'll flash the word no or other negative images. And it's amazing that the body will actually react physiologically 
to no and to negative impulses. Like there'll be like this cortisol, you know, kind of release in the body. And that's like the bad stuff versus, you know, dopamine is the good stuff. And the negatives release the bad stuff and, and blood pressure will increase and stress levels will, will increase. And this can continue on. If we, we continue in that negativity, then they've just, you know, they've studied this. It'll impact, uh, you know, sleep patterns uh, and, and general overall health and well-being. And, and, and so we live into this kind of a, a no world, but, but friends, here's where we're going today. We were made for the yes. We're created for yes. And this comes to us because we are created in the image of a yes God. Now, let me try and get some of you to buy in and believe that. Because I'm betting right now out of the gate, that might be a hard thing for some of you to understand or embrace. When I was a kid, well, let me back that up. I was raised in the church. When you're raised in the church, when you're a church baby like I was, uh, you know, there's a lot of blessings that come with that. Amen, awesome, a ton of blessings. I'm all for raising our kids in the church, but we just need to be aware of dynamics then that come with raising a child in the church and that culture that gets put on them. So I was raised as a, I always say I was a drug baby. I was drugged to church for Sunday school. I was drugged to church every for worship. I, was, I mean, I was drugged to church all the time. So, you know, I had to process that. When I was in youth group age, then we did this study. This is like so long ago now. Um, it was called Don't Check Your Brains at the Door. And I was really interested in that because I wanted to have a, a thoughtful, uh, reflective, engaged faith. So I was real excited about that. And, they, and, and, the, and the youth pastor kind of walked us through some of these impressions of ideas from that curriculum that people had about God. God. And one of them was like, some people have this idea of the vending machine God. You know, if you insert the right prayers, if you do the right things, you live the right kind of life, you'll get what you want from God. You know, so, you know, like, you, you know, you want a, you want a boyfriend, you want a girlfriend, you want whatever, you know, insert the right prayer, get what you want from God. And we kind of worked on dismantling that, like, no, we, you know, we're called to be in a relationship with God and give our lives to God and, and all that. We went into the one called the Luke Skywalker God, you know, and that was like the force is with you, God. And, you know, kids today still, I mean, all these years later, how many, I mean, my nephew's being Luke Skywalker, but its idea of God is this force that we try and tap into. Well, the one that resonated the most with me at that age, at that stage, at that time in my life, was the cosmic cop God, or the cosmic killjoy God. My idea, my impression of God is like, I could tell you more about God was against than what God was for. I could tell you more about God's no's than God yeses. For me, faith, being a Christian, being the church, meant I could, you know, it, it's a, it was a lot of, and this is the fun way I've always put it, a lot of, you know, you don't smoke, drink, or chew, or go with girls who do. And, and being from Western Pennsylvania, not chewing limited my dating opportunities for a lot of girls out there. I mean, just saying in the, in the you know, in the sticks there, so no. But, you know, like, like we could tell you, like, we're not doing, oh, we don't party, which, Anyways, I won't even get into that. Partying for God is awesome. You know, you don't, you know, you don't swear. You don't use vulgarities. That, you know, that's good. You know, there, there's a lot of conduct that we don't do. And now let's, now let's say this. There are a lot of no's from God. But we mistakenly think that God is saying no to things that should bring joy 
and life and love to our lives. So, you know, God says, no, don't murder because murder is bad. And when we think about that, we should all say, that's actually a good no. <laughs> like, no to lying, no to stealing, no to cheating, no to adultery, no to break. So there's some good no's, but all those no's are actually to protect us from the things that steal, that kill, that destroy life. Because that's ultimately then what Jesus says Jesus says, John 10, 10, set this one to heart, memorize this, maybe put this out there as, you know, a guiding life verse. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Those are the things that we say no to because Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm the yes God. I'm the yes to life. I'm the yes to life abundantly. I'm the yes to, that word there is actually a Zoe life, a resurrection. I am life in, at this time foreshadowing, the life to come in the resurrection. Jesus is the life-giving God. And, and so we have this longing, longing for, yes, we are ultimately those studies and what God's word, and as we reflect on our idea of God, this is what I'm going to try and convince you of, of course, is our God is the yes God, and we are just wired in his image for yes. We are wired for yes. You are yes. You are looking for yes in your lives. We have radar for this. We have feelers for this. Every day, all day out there, we are looking for the yes. Our, our, our kids are looking for the yes from us. You know, can I go, can I ride my bike? <laughs> yes. Can I go to the end of the street? You know, yes. Can I go past the stop sign? No. You're not old enough. <laughs> Can I go to the end of the, past the stop sign now? Yes. You're, I mean, your kids are always testing and looking for, and we're always looking for the yes, you know, at work and in relationships and with our spouses, and we're always looking. I, we're all, so my, so that I can remember the time when I was longing for the biggest yes of my life. The day that I was going to ask Robin to marry me, right? I mean, so, so I'm dating Robin for a couple months, and I actually buy the, the engagement ring. I'd been carrying it around in my pocket for like three months. I'm like, I'm like using it as like Bible study illustrations and stuff. And you're like, you still haven't asked her yet. And I'm like, I'm waiting for the right time. And I had this big, beautiful plan. I was going to ask her at Christmas. And, uh, and, and then we're, I was going to pick her up though for Thanksgiving. And we're going to go and visit some of my family for Thanksgiving. We were actually at different campuses. And so I was going to drive down to pick her up. And I had the ring in my pocket as I always had. And I noticed that when I got down to Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania, that it had the first snow on the ground. And I said, oh, this is, this is my opportunity. So, so, I went, so, I, so I parked the car and I ran down to this field that I know her window could, could overlook. And I'm like, oh, I hope she isn't looking out the window and wondering what this weirdo's out there doing. And I stomped into the snow in big bubble letters, marry me. And so I, I run up then and up the, back up the hill and up into the building and I knock on the door and I'm like, Robin, 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 come on out. And you know, I'm like chomping at the bit now. And, and, and I get her out there and I get down on one knee and I say, Robin, and I kind of like direct her attention then like to this field. And she looks out on this field. And you know what she says? No, nobody's going to take a guess on what she says. <laughs> she says, you spelled Mary wrong. <laughs> and I stand up and I look at it and I'm like, 
I don't think I spelled Mary wrong. And she says, you know, married, M-A. And, and I'm like, well, it's not past tense because I'm asking you to marry me. So it's M-A-R-R-Y. Oh, okay, so it's spelled right. And, we, and it's just like this. We had this long, awkward pause. And, and we're just kind of standing there. And we're looking at it. And, and, and there's a part of me at, one, at this point to say like, well, never mind. You ruined the best yes of my moment. And supposed, this is supposed to be like the yes moment of my life. And it's been turned into a conversation on grammar. But then I think you may have, you know, filled in the blanks. She did eventually say yes to me. <laughs> Praise be the Lord. Actually went inside and she had like had this like big like brunch plan, plan. And she had this huge thing. It was like, George is awesome. I love George. Like, and it was crazy. And she did didn't know. But anyway, so I got the yes that I was longing for. We are all longing for yes from the one we love, the one we want to be our lover. We're longing for a yes from our parents to set us free and to launch out into the world and to do amazing and incredible things. We're, we're longing for a yes in our opportunities for work because we want to make a difference and make an impact and be creative and do things that haven't been done before. We are longing for the yes in our lives. We are wired for yes. And this comes from our God. Let's go to, uh, actually, you're going to get the main text here for today. For uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, going to go to verses 18 through, let me pull it up here. There you go, 18 through 22. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not, here's where I want to engage, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been, say it with me, yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are, say it with me, yes. In Christ. So through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is, oh, listen to this. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us. And he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Now, let's drop this in its context. Paul writes this first letter to the church in, in Corinth. And it is admittedly harsh because the church in Corinth is straight jacked up. I mean, it is the most messed up city and it is a messed up church because there are messed up and broken people. And so the letter comes across really harsh. He's like, you should not get drunk when you come and take communion because they were like, totally getting drunk when they were taking communion. You should not eat all the food yourself and leave others hungry whenever you come to the table. Like, that's not what the table's about. You should not go and visit temple prostitutes anymore. Just saying not a good idea. You should not sleep with your mother-in-law. I mean, so not saying anything that isn't in there in the Bible. I mean, they came from an extraordinarily, what we would now say, pagan culture, and they had practices that were destroying life. And it was necessary for life, for life to be lived the way God intended for some no's to happen. <laughs> but it's like Paul wanted to make a corrective 
I kind of picture Paul after he wrote that letter, kind of looking back on it and thinking about his words. He's like, oh, you know, I just, I could create God for them. I could create this image of the cosmic killjoy God for them. This cosmic cop who's saying like everything about you is wrong and bad and you messed it up and you messed it up. No, 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 no. And it's like, he says, ah, you know what? I'm going to write him again. And I want to start it with these words. I want to start it on this tone. And this tone actually then very different. I mean, it's, it's shocking in many ways how different actually first and second Corinthians are. So I want to start off and remind them that just as a corrective kind of like, God is actually a yes God. There are so many yeses in God. And he wants to tell them that because he knows we live in this no world. And here's, here's what I understand. We live in this no world. We get so many no's every day in a thousand different ways. We get no from our spouse. We get no from our kids. We get no from our boss. We get no from the school that we've been longing to get accepted to. We get no from our bank account. We get no from our credit card when we slip it through sometimes. We get, we get no on the new project that we want to begin. We get no, 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 so many times a day, right, friends? We see, if we really evaluate our lives, we get all of these no's landing on us, dragging us down, increasing our stress, increasing our anxiety, killing dreams, these words of no washing over us. And Paul wants to say, but I want you to know, friends, that in Jesus Christ, all the promises of God are yes. They are yeah. How many promises are there in the Bible? Anybody want to take a guess? You can guess in your own mind. Shout it out. doesn't matter to me. There are more than 50 times where things are explicitly told to us as a promise of God. More than 50 times explicitly we are told this is a promise from God. But if you read sort of between the lines and what God is saying, what God is offering to us, some put it at 3,500, some put it as many as five, I'm sorry, 7,000 promises, words of yes from God. And that is the yes that we are longing for. God, do you love me? Yes. God, will you be with me? Yes. God, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, will you be with me? Yes, I will be with you. God, when I mess up, will you cleanse me? Yes, I will cleanse you and make you perfect. God, will you give me a new beginning? Yes, I will give you a new beginning. God, will your abiding presence be with me? Yes, my spirit is going to be upon you. God, will you grow your fruits in me? Yes, I will fill you with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. God, will you give me gifts so that I might use them in the church and in the world for your glory? Yes, I will fill you with my gifts. Jesus, will you put a call on my life? Yes, I will follow me. Jesus, will you send me? Yes, go and tell my followers I am alive and risen and reigning and ruling. Jesus, is there a hope in store for me? Yes, there is. You will feast at the table with saints forever in the glorious kingdom of God and with heavenly hosts for all ages. Yes, 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 yes. This is where the preacher wants a yes. Yes. 
and amen. So here's, this is, so we're gonna go into this right now, folks. We're gonna dive into this. You'll notice that the first part of this passage is God's yes to us. God is the God of yes, and he says yes to us in his son, Jesus Christ. And the incredible word and revelation that we have is that everything that God has promised to us becomes yes for us in Jesus Christ. The life, the hope, the future, the forgiveness, the being born again, the living as a new creation, the enjoying the new creation for all of eternity is yes for us in Jesus Christ. The yes comes from God to us. What is our response? What does this passage tell us? Amen. Yes and amen. Now, the word yes there is very simple. I mean, it's like our word yes. It's just like there's positive, there's negative, there's yes, there's no. This is the simple Greek word for yes. But Paul pulls in this other word. Our response to the yeses of God is amen. And this actually goes way, 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 way back to the Old Testament. Whenever the people of God, anytime they saw a blessing coming from God, they were supposed to call out, God is at work this is a revelation for us. This is the hand of God. This is the evidence of his grace and his goodness, the chesed, the glory of God, the everlasting, steadfast kindness of God. This is the evidence of this. And we say to this, amen. And Jesus as a rabbi picks up on this and he creates this interchange with his followers. When he starts teaching to them, when Jesus is gonna teach, he's gonna drop some truth on them, right? Jesus is the word, the living word. He is, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so when he starts teaching, and you look at many of his passages of teaching, he will say, truly, truly, or in the old school language, verily, verily. Anybody like that one? Verily, verily, or amen, amen, I say to you. I'm about to drop some truth on your life. And in response, the people were to say, amen. I had this teacher in uh, high school, and he was like super Italian, super Italian guy, and I love this teacher, and he would make us say capiche, remember that? So, so anytime he would teach something, everybody remember that old school Italian? So nobody, apparently nobody knew that one, so, so all right, all right. So, so whenever he'd start getting off on something, he'd say capiche, and we had to we had to say capiche. So it was capiche, capiche. And, 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 and I always thought that was really kind of like funny, because I'm like, that's kind of like, this is stuff like we get at church. But except except I didn't get it at church. So here's the truth. I did not grow up in an amen, amen church. Anybody grow up in it? Uh, you have the amen corner in your church? Anybody? All right. Well, you're, well, this, today's, this is it right now. I am calling it out because we are not being biblical Christians and who, and, and even the most staunch here, you know, would, would be like, well, it is in the Bible, you know, I mean, the Bible teaching here is we are supposed to proclaim the truth. Verily, verily, truly, truly, amen, amen, Jesus says to us, and how do we respond? Amen, amen. Whenever you get the truth here, friends, I would, are you getting the truth right now? Amen. This is the kind of congregation, the kind of church, the kind of community, the kind of excitement, the kind of energy. This is the kind of being. This is the yes that God wants for us. And all kidding aside, I really do want us to be a yes church. 
A verily, verily, a truly, truly, an amen, an amen. When we recognize God's mercy, God's grace, God's truth, Jesus Christ at work, the spirit filling, changing, touching, moving, gifting, filling lives, we should respond with a hearty, hearty amen. Amen, friends. I mean, uh, so I pray. I'm praying for your souls. I'm praying for every one of you. We are going to be an amen, amen, chorus kind of church. So verse 21 and 22. What's my time check there? Here, I got, it's, it's a horrible weather out there. You're, I'm just going to keep going here today. So 21, preach. That's right. That's right. Whenever in an amen church, when it says I'm going, you just, you run with it here, friends. Let's dive back into 21 and 22. I'm going to read them again here for you. Now it is God. So this is after like the amen, amen. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us. And he put his spirit on our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So three things here. He anointed us. And there's a lot we could say about anointing. Their seal of ownership is on us. And it's a deposit guaranteeing our salvation. Uh, whenever he says he, he's anointed us, we should immediately go back and remember the power of anointing throughout the work of the people of God. Maybe some of you actually been in a hospital bed where you were anointed and prayed over. Maybe some of you were in a, a camp or a situation or in a meeting or, 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 or a time where you were actually anointed. This can be a beautiful thing. Well, there was always, anointing was used for, I, I can't go off too deep on this. I got some other things to say. But anointing would always be like medicinal. It would be used at the coronation of a king or it would be used for burial. And we see this throughout the scripture. And whenever we see this word anointing, then we need to want to pull all that together to say we can be anointed for healing, for the brokenness, for the sin, for the pain, for the anguish, for, for all in our lives that, that comes in this broken and fallen world. There is healing in the great physician. Amen? Amen. And, and there's this coronation. Whenever a king was coronated, um, you think, we think about Samuel coronating David as king, even as a boy, you know, he's brought all of his brothers, if you know that story, not this one, not this one, ah, David the boy, and they, he had a horn of oil, and he coronated him king, and so we are coronated then as children, sons and daughters of the king, we become royalty, princes and princesses of this king, and our coronation, and our anointing, ultimately though, we know that Jesus was anointed for his burial, we think about that most beautiful moment when Mary and she breaks this pint of nard worth like a year's wages, this extravagant waste, this most extravagant and beautiful worship then of Jesus. And, and it's Judas who's about to betray him, who, you know, kind of speaks up, you know, and Jesus is like, you know, think about the power of that moment, you know, and Judas, the one who'd betray him to death, just looks at him and says, this happened because of what you're about to do to me. <laughs> You're about to betray me and I'm about to be killed and I know it and this is preparing me for it. And we are prepared in our anointing to die to ourselves so that we might rise to new life in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are anointed in him. And that anointing is then a seal on our lives. And we think about those old signet rings and dripping the wax and you put the seal on that and we get this seal that is yet 
to be broken. What is we are going to become is yet to be revealed in the glory of Christ's return. It's like we are going to open up and finally blossom into the men, into the women, and the people that God makes us and called us to be. It's the seal on our hearts. And this is a deposit guaranteeing. Oh, I, I'll talk about this at Christmas. Remember putting things on layaway? I am so old. I remember going to Kmart and putting things on layaway. Kids, layaway is whenever it was the opposite of credit. It's when you did not have enough money and you went and you gave them some money and got nothing in return. So you started giving them money. And then when your bike was paid for, you took the bike home. He has put us on layaway. He's put a deposit. The spirit is this deposit. It's saying, I'm already investing in you. And what I'm investing in, listen, what I'm already investing in, I have all intentions of claiming as my own. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, he just says, if I'm going to invest in you here and now, you can guarantee bank your life on this. I'm coming for you. And you're mine. That's beautiful. We've been anointed. A seal is on our hearts. And we are now with this deposit guaranteeing who we are and what we will become in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So let's wrap this up. Forget the band. You guys can, can come up and uh, don't pay attention to them just yet. You get their full attention in a moment. But three things I want to ask you to say yes to. Or maybe this will just be three areas of yes for you to consider. Here's the first yes for us to consider. Simply saying yes to the offer of salvation in Jesus Christ. I think the first yes that Jesus really wants from us, that God is looking for us, is a yes that can just set us out on the life of salvation in Jesus Christ. Paul gets into this really deep in Romans, talks about anybody who confesses with their mouth, yes, God, anyone who believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead and that he has come again, anyone who confesses this, who makes this pronouncement, anybody who says this simple yes to God and Jesus Christ will receive this gift of salvation. And the story of our lives, the story of following God, always begins with a simple yes to the life he has offered in us. And in many ways, you can track the whole story of the Bible. It's a story of the people who simply said yes to God. Abram, will you go to the land that I will show you? That's a whole other message there. Not that, I, not that you don't even know where it is. I will show you. I mean, you have no idea what's coming. Yes, yes, I will. You know, Isaiah, who will go and preach for me? Isaiah, yes, yes, I, I will. The story of our lives with God begins with a simple yes to the salvation, to the life that he offers us as a gift in Jesus Christ. And if your yes today is simply the yes to Jesus Christ, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for that in just a moment. And I pray that your answer to the offer of life now and forever with God through Jesus Christ by the forgiveness of your sins and the power of his resurrection will be a yes. Many of us have made that yes already. So then there's another yes. There's the yes of following Jesus. The yes of following Jesus says, well, I'm going to go more from this gift. I'm going to start doing something with it because life always then really begins in discipleship by simply following Jesus. Sean got into that last week in Mark chapter 1 there, those first verses, follow me. And the disciples said yes. And they had no idea what they were getting into, but they were willing to go 
believing that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, the one who would save their souls. And they said yes and began to follow Jesus. Maybe for some of us, it's time to move past the yes of the gift of life that we have in Jesus and to simply start following him. And following him means just following him, just going where he goes. Follow him by spending some time in prayer and in the word each week. Follow him by getting maybe into a group. Follow him by maybe participating in some of our events. Follow him by just making worship a priority and being with the people of God. Just start following God and see where that will take you. But then I think there's a third yes, a yes that takes us even farther. It takes us into uncharted territory. And that is the yes of going. Before Jesus left, he gave a commission to his disciples, the ones who had been following him, and he said, will you go now? He said, yes to me. We believe you're the Messiah, the Christ. You said, yes, you would follow me in a life of obedience. Now, will you say yes to going for me? Will you go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, knowing that it is in the going that I will be with you to the very end of the age. Maybe some of us, the time has come where this next season of life is where we go, where we go, where he calls us, where we go to the hurt, we go to the lost, we go to the sick, we go to the needy, we go to the places of darkness to shine the light of Jesus Christ, the word made flesh, the living word, we go where he calls us. And so whenever the pastor stands up in front of you and invites you to do things like go to the Severe Weather Shelter Network and share the love of Christ with the needs of our community, that is when we simply say, yes, <laughs> and amen, because this is what God invites us to, the glorious yes of life, of discipleship, of mission and service to him. Let me pray for all three of those yeses for us and which one of those or if all of those are landing on you this morning, then yes and amen to that. Let me, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I pray for the man, for the woman, for the child, for the soul right now that is saying yes, maybe to the first time for you. Yes, Jesus, we confess you as Christ. Yes, Jesus, we ask for the forgiveness of our sins. Yes, Jesus, we believe in your resurrection and your return and the life that we have in you. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus, I will follow you. Yes, Jesus, I will go where you lead me. Yes, Jesus, I will seek to live a life in obedience and submission because I believe that in you is life and life eternal. So I will simply follow you in obedience now, Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus, I will go. Yes, Jesus, I will be your hands and your feet. I will go to a lost, to a broken, to a dark world that needs your light, your love, your hope, your grace, your mercy, that needs you. I will go. I will go. Yes, Lord Jesus. Yes, send me. Here I am. Use me. Build your kingdom through my humble efforts because I am offering my whole self to you now and forever. Yes and amen.